Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me for the first time as co-host, my good friend, Ms. Brooke Deneau. Hi, Brooke. Hello, Vincent. How are you doing? I'm doing good. And I was really worried I was going to get your name wrong. Oh, man. (laughs) I've been saying the intro exactly the same for two and a half years, so it was really weird to say another name. But welcome aboard. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I was, you know, I told people that I had a very good co-host lined up and I wanted them to believe me and uh, give give our new co-host a chance. And uh, I think when you made your little announcement on Instagram tonight, the feedback I've gotten so far has been pretty, pretty good. People are excited that you're on board. Well, like I said, I'm really, really, really excited to be here. And I always love talking to you, Vincent. So I'm Aww. sure I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> we talk we talk a ton, honestly. We, we talk do. more than pretty much. I talk to you almost as much as I talk to uh, talk to Beth, which is kind of funny. But yeah, a lot of a lot of changes this week. I'm in my my new apartment. My house is <laughs> as of Monday will be gone. Um, Congratulations on that. That's thank a huge you. deal. It is a pretty huge deal, and I hope I don't sound too different. I haven't quite gotten all my furniture and all the stuff on the walls in here yet, so the acoustics are a little weird, but I think it's going to sound okay. Um, Yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy weekend, and you know, I've been looking forward to this one because I really wanted to get you into the fold and get you going quick and just kind of start the new era of Because We Make. So for the people that haven't heard you and Michael on, because we've had you guys on multiple times. times. You're one of the few, you're one of the few people that we've had on twice. Um, why don't you give people a little bit of background of, for those, for those strange, weird, odd people who don't know who you are. Um, give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do and all that stuff. Yeah. The quick background is that, uh, I own a makerspace in right outside the Boston area with my husband, Michael. Uh, so what that means is we have a shop and we use it for our own work, but we also share it with a membership base. So I'm really lucky. And then I get to be, you know, in the shop around digital tools all the time, but also around other people making their ideas all the time. Um, And then we also make content on Instagram and YouTube. Um, Yeah, that's the quick rundown. That 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 fits it. And the, it's funny, the, how I met you guys was because I saw what you were doing at the beginning of the pandemic when you organized the whole 3D printing PPE thing that you guys were doing. Yes. And which is probably I mean, I've known we, you, I've known you guys since then, but I went back and kind of, you know, I did my proper research. But I think that's probably the coolest thing that you guys have ever done. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we met so many incredible people around that whole experience. Uh, that we've maintained friendships with to date. And it, it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it was, it was you know. It was quite a while. Lo- longer ago than I care to admit, but yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, is, it is funny because it, it does feel like I just met you guys, but yet when you look back at when that was, it wasn't last year. It was the year before. No. Like, <laughs> no, no, wow. No. It's just time all starts to blend together, right? Oh, Yes. So we wanted to start the Brooke and Vincent era off with a bang. So I went and sought out, um, I was like, what guest can we get that's really just going to make a huge impact? Like, who will people really want to hear from? And I'm like, I know just the guy. So um, for those of you that are fans of the King of Random and 
you would definitely know who our next guest is. He is one of the coolest makers. He makes some really awesome stuff, and I'm a huge fan. I'm kind of a bit of a fanboy, so I'm a little bit excited and kind of nervous, but our guest this week is the one and only Nate from the internet. What's going on, Nate? How you doing? Hey, Nate. I'm doing good. Good to be here, guys. So you are... I knew... Obviously, I knew you as the host of King of Random, but I didn't know your other stuff that you did because you are... You are quite a renaissance man when it comes to making. You do a lot of different stuff. Uh, I Sure, I suppose so. You might need to get more specific <laughs> about some of the things you're referring to. Well, um, I've seen you. So like I've seen on your videos, you've done cooking, you've done woodworking, you've done knife making, you've you made um you made a basically a stand for Italian soda stuff. You've. It does okay, seem like you you have quite a bit of like you're just like one of those like go for it types. Am I misreading that or no? No, yeah, it's that's pretty accurate. I just you know when you say like oh on your other stuff like I don't know what you've been looking at, what you've been following. Like ah, I'm thinking yeah. like do I, I have you're... a site out there that I'm posting stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Seems I like think the knife the knife making is incredible that you've doing you that mm-hmm. you've been Thank doing. You. I was going to ask specifically, like, why the knife making? What about it has drawn you to it? You know, that's that's a great question, and I wish I had like a solid, perfect answer for you. Um, I think it's just a combination of several smaller things. I first got introduced to knife making. Um, I majored in art and in one of my art classes, it was a sculpture and I'm trying to remember what they even called it. It was a sculpture class, but not just like sculpting clay or here's a chisel and some rock. It got into a lot of different things. And one of the project uh, opportunities was to choose either making a knife or making a piece of jewelry. And the teachers knew some about each of those things and had some tools for it and would walk you through what they knew. And I thought a knife sounded cooler, so I wanted to try that. <laughs> um, you use it after, too. Well, you know, you can use jewelry as well. That is true. Yeah. Touche. I, I was going to say, you know, I make jewelry, Brooke. I mean, I'm just going <laughs> to say, you know, okay, cool. Thanks. This is a rough start, Vincent. <laughs> yeah, really. Holy crap. Just, was it the next episode? Of this, So this is Brooke's last episode, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> so anyway, um, back to the knives, Nate. Well, I have done some jewelry making as well, but I don't actually use jewelry all that much. So yeah, mm-hmm. I went went with the knife route and the teacher taught what he knew. And mm-hmm. I made these, I, I, I hesitate to even call them knives. They were knife shaped. Um, <laughs> it turns out there was a lot the teacher didn't know about knife making. Um, and so my, my efforts led to very mediocre results, which of course will happen as a first try anyway, but they were how shall I say, extra mediocre for, <laughs> for lack of focus. I mean, the teacher is a, he was an amazing teacher who knows absolutely crazy good amounts and he's very good at what he did. I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging him. This just wasn't his area of most expertise. And, gotcha. uh, but I kept it in my head because I had thought it was fun and the result was interesting, if not, you know, very polished. Um, and so a few years later, I saw another knife maker online had made some really cool stuff. I was just amazed at how different and pretty his work was. Uh, it's a guy, his company is called Sage Blades. 
And I saw one of his and I was like, I am going to try and make not just a knife, but that knife. I'm going to copy that guy's knife. And so I looked around and I found some tutorials on how to do knife making with very limited tools. And so I, I made a, a copy of that knife using some of the tools that were available to me at the sculpture studio where I was working at the time. Uh, and so that was before T-Core. And that knife turned out much better. It was a big leap in progress. And my friend Keith saw that knife and he thought it was really cool. And he really liked the idea of making knives as well. And so later on when, you know, a few years later when he had, uh, he had a house and a garage where he could put a workshop in and more money to buy tools, he started buying knife making tools. And I thought, well, if I got knife making tools available to me, I'm getting back into this. This is way better. Cause you know, he had a bell sander and so we could use that instead of, I used a file to, to shoot my whole knife. It was terrible. It so nice. That takes patience that I don't have. It, was not quick. <laughs> no. um, and, and I think the draw of it is that there's so many different styles, there's so many types, there's so many differences you can do that it's extremely yeah. artistic in what you can put into it. You can make a thousand design choices. And so you do this work of art that ends up being a functional tool. And that, I think, is the combination that we were so drawn to, is making art that yeah. ends up being a functional tool that you can then use on something else. Yeah. I think one of, the things I, one of the things I love is how the general public, because of, and I know there are knife makers I know that hate the show Forged in Fire. I am one of the biggest fans of it that exists. <laughs> and I think that that show being so, you know, popular with normal pedestrians is such a big deal because it's really exposed how much art is involved in these incredible knives that people are making. They're not just looked at as like something you go to like Walmart and you pull out of a piece of, you know, shrink wrap and you go, Oh, this is my knife now. You know, they're, they're a whole different ball game and people can appreciate what these knives look like. You know, people yeah. know terms like Hamon and Damascus. And it's like, this is incredible. Like n nobody knew these words like couple of years ago now all of a sudden everybody knows them it's amazing yeah. right they embody so many aspects of culture as well mm -hmm. in addition to the artistry and then the craftsmanship of physically making them Do you, which is so i'm sorry go ahead who was going you you were on. <laughs> oh that, that was all i had to say about oh, that i got you <laughs> <laughs> so what um you worked at when you met callie at um prop shop was that what you guys were doing do i have that correct uh we met on a big just group trip down to moab utah um cool and we then uh we then worked at a sculpture studio together so i had been at that studio for three and a half years or so and my boss was looking for another assistant and so i suggested cali apply and he hired her and then it ended up being that like shortly after he hired her was when I started working for T-Core and she'll tell you that it was a, a delightful story of how one day I just didn't show up and she was like asking like where is Nate and then our boss was like he doesn't work here anymore and she's not wrong although I have explained a little bit at first when I when I first started talking with Grant about the job at T-Core it was, it was going to be this sort of like part-time as needed basis. 
and I was going to keep working at the sculpture studio as well. Uh, but I've explained um, on my channel and in a couple other places how shortly, like a week after I got hired to be a background assistant at T-Corp, uh, he, he, Grant, wanted to quit. And I suggested I could maybe be on camera instead of behind the scenes. And so my job radically changed. And I didn't explain that to Callie, <laughs> even though we were working together. And so I just stopped showing up in her view. And uh, but yeah, so we, we knew each <laughs> other before then, but we worked together at the sculpture studio. And then when Grant wanted another co-host on the channel, I recommended she apply for that one as well. One of the one of the things I loved about um, you and her working together, and I'd see it's funny because I didn't know this story, but one of the things that was very obvious when she was hired was that you guys had awesome chemistry. Like you were you were clearly friends. You worked well together on camera. There seemed to be just like a camaraderie between the two of you. And I didn't really know until you mentioned it eventually that you guys knew each other beforehand. But it was really interesting to watch this new person come on and watch you and her just bond instantly. I'm like, wow, that just doesn't happen. That's awesome. And you guys had you guys had a great yeah, run. It, it was really nice because I I often take a while to warm up to new people. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how hard. that would have sorry. It can be so hard. Especially yeah. with a camera in your face. Yeah. Well <laughs> extra pressure. Yeah, I by that time, I was pretty used to being on camera. So it probably would have been fine on camera. It would have been when the camera stopped rolling. Like, mm. I I had, uh, I've had coworkers, like, later on, uh, the, the three new people were brought in, the Kevin, Grace, and Kenan. Um, and I, I later learned that, like, one of our managers at T-Core was, like, warning them ahead of time, like, hey, just so you know, if Nate seems like upset or gruff or like he's ignoring you, he's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. That's just how he is with new people. And like, it ended up being, I, <laughs> I was sound making, like a dog, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, he wasn't wrong to do that. Like <laughs> I, I ended up yeah. making, like we hadn't talked about it. And I was like trying to make sure I was extra friendly with them. Like, and, mm. and so they felt welcome when they first came in. And so it ended up being that I, I think one of them told me like, I don't really know why he was telling us that. And I was like, oh, but I know. I know why he was telling us that. And he was right to do so. Uh, so, yeah, having worked with Kelly already definitely made it easier. One, one of the things I loved about, you know, because obviously, you know, you took over for Grant. And that's those were big shoes to fill because Grant was the face of the channel. And little by little, you kind of eased into the position where it was, you know, it was it eventually kind of became your channel for a while just as you were going alone. And one of the things I love, and I always think about it was your first few episodes. I'm like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's having a little trouble with this. He's having a little bit of trouble with this. And then you eventually, I don't know what happened. I don't know. Did, did something happened where you just got really comfortable? There was almost like a pivot point where I don't want to, don't take this the wrong way. Cause I don't mean it the way it's going to come out, but it's like all of a sudden you loosened up. And it showed and you were just enjoying yourself a little more. And I imagine you probably filmed a bunch of episodes at the beginning and we watched all of those and then you had some time and then you just filmed some more. So I imagine that was what the difference is. But the difference from, you know, your first episode where you were kind of monotone and you were staring at the camera uncomfortably, like you didn't seem as comfortable. And I guess that's, you know, it just came with experience. But man, after a while, you were just like, you know, 
making that breaking you're doing that break the fourth wall look type stuff and it just is like wow he's like a different guy it's amazing i would be very interested uh if if you could point out any sort of like here's where you suddenly seem comfortable or something like that because to me it was not sudden and it it felt very gradual and uh, I am never going to take it the wrong way if someone says I seemed kind of awkward or wooden or robotic. <laughs> yeah. I cannot watch those early videos. It is so rough. I, I had a very hard time keeping my head on straight. I could mm-hmm. not look at the camera. Like there are so many times I had a weird habit of like just looking off to the side, usually to my right camera left. And you can see, or at least you used to be able to see, there would be comments saying like, you know, he needs to stop looking over at the teleprompter or whatever. And like, there was never a teleprompter. There was nothing. <laughs> oh no, that's the worst. I wasn't looking at anything. I was just yeah. not looking at the camera because I wasn't used to it. Yeah. Um, and, I have a follow-up yeah. question for you, Nate. Please. Did you ever, because you said you went to art school and then you said that you asked to be on camera the first time. Is doing work in front of a camera something that you always thought you'd want to do or did it just happen that way? Absolutely. It did not seem like something I wanted to do at first. Um, that was entirely move. A bold move to just say, Hey, I'll, I'll be a host. That was entirely based on me wanting to keep the new job that paid a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seemed like a way fun job and I had enjoyed the job at the sculpture studio, but I had been there for about four years and I wanted to try something different. Um, and this seemed like it would be a job where I got to do something different all the time. And so I was that combined with the fact that it, it did pay quite a bit more. I was like, no, I want to, I want to stay here. What can we do to make this happen? Um, and so that was, that was the motivation. It, it was not a desire to be on camera. That was all secondary. That's crazy. I'd say, I'd say it was a great move. Yeah. And hopefully this isn't me skipping ahead too far, but um, I think it's really been awesome to see the videos that you've put out as yourself um, after the fact. And so once you moved to the present, were you sure that you wanted to continue doing camera and YouTube yourself? Well, as hopefully I phrased to, that well. As opposed, as opposed to what? To- I don't, that was, I guess, going to be the follow-up question. Like, like you've stuck with YouTube. Is it because well, what is it about YouTube that you love and that you that keeps you around with it? I love the opportunity to come up with cool ideas and turn that into being a job. And yeah. uh, part it's... of it is just the opportunity. Like, if if I were starting from scratch and no one knew knew who I was, then maybe I would make some videos. They'd be more likely to be just not my face, you know, just hear my voice and see my hands maybe, um, unless it was necessary. Um, but it's because I'm not starting from scratch. Like I have this fan base at this point, I guess. And so I was like, well, I, you know, that's, that's something that can, I, I can make work. So I'm going to try and make it work. Well, that's, that's the, that's an interesting advantage because you, you know, you, you leave King of Random and it's like, you can, you have a you kind of have this inflection point. You can either go out on your own and say, I'm going to take a run at this doing it myself, or you can start going to other makers and saying, Hey, you're looking for another person, and you took the you took the risky but more control path of saying, I'm just gonna have a go at this myself. I'm gonna see what I can make of it. And so far, I mean, 
when you first started your subscriber, you spiked in subscribers like crazy out of kind of almost overnight. And I think it was right around the time you made the why I'm no longer with TKOR video, which by the way, that was a bold move to make that video. Um, I, t- I promised, and I mean it, we, we're not going to talk about everything that went into it. And if you guys want to watch it, it's on Nate's channel. It's called Why I'm No Longer With TKOR. It has a million views, so you probably watched it at this point. But it's, pre- it's pretty incredible how quickly you've built up your own audience now. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, it's Thank fantastic. You. Yeah, I, had, I actually had started putting videos on that channel back in August, but they were... Uh, poor filming quality, poor editing quality, because I was doing all the filming and editing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I wasn't using a good camera. I wasn't using good lighting for the most part. It was just like, all right, I'm making a thing here. I'm documenting it. I'll make a video. And yeah, I had about 3,000, maybe 3,500 subscribers Yep. Uh, at the end of the year when I was let go from T-Core. And yeah, I made that video. <clears throat> all, all hell broke yeah. loose. <laughs> and it, well, yeah, that's pretty well, much. You, you know, I re- so I'm on I'm on the TKOR subreddit, and when you made the video with Callie, it was a big, big deal. Like it was, you know, getting the band back together. It's like seeing you guys back on camera together, and you put out this killer video about making throwing knives. And it was just such a fun video. And I got all the warm, fuzzy feels of like, this is like the old days. It's so nice. And I, I know I know a lot of people in that subreddit, and I know you're in there also because I see you in there. Um, I know a lot of people in that subreddit are like, please do more with Callie. Please do more with Callie. And is there anything cooking where you guys are going to work together again? Or uh, We have plans but like on a single video basis kind okay. of thing. We, we don't okay. have any plans to start a whole channel. Neither of us is interested in, you know, regularly producing the type of content that we were producing when we were together at TKOR. Mm-hmm. Um, she is actually taking school right now. She's finishing her degree, so she wouldn't have time anyway. Um, so we've, we've discussed doing some more videos together. Uh, we, I posted on, I think on my Instagram, I think we both posted on our socials about we are probably going to build a dog house for her new dog who is adorable and has his (laughs) own Instagram page. Um, And but that's about as far as we have planned for for YouTube at the moment is like, hey, we have an idea for a video. Let's make a video. And, you know, if, if either of us has a good idea for another one, we may do that. That, that, that's probably, do you, are you seeing the channel going in a certain direction? Like, do you have a plan for it or is it just going to be, you know, Nate making and doing and trying stuff? Like, do you have any idea or is it, are you going to focus primarily on knife making? Is it going to be like, cause I got to tell you, my wife and I really enjoyed the cookie video. (laughs) Like a lot, probably more than I expected to enjoy. I mean, I watched it because you were in it, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, I never would have expected this kind of video from Nate. So is there like a direction you're planning on taking the channel or is it just, you know, whatever I feel like filming that week, I'm going to film? Sort of a combination of the two, I would say. I am planning to lean more into the knife making because Mm -hmm. that's something that I want to keep doing 
whether or not I'm making videos of it. And several people have expressed interest in it. There is a market for those types of videos on YouTube, but I don't think I'm planning to ever lock into any one thing. I really enjoyed making the cookie video and the response was really good. So I have actually begun filming the next one of that same concept, the brand versus basic cooking. Cool. I'm going to be cool. filming that up tonight after I record this podcast. I'm going to be wow. finishing filming it after I record this podcast. And <laughs> I mean, I guess it's only you know, where I am. It's 630 right now. So it's not as late as it would be for you guys, I think. Yeah, um, definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, and then I have a lot of different video ideas for the future, and some of them are knives and some of them are not knives. So we'll see how that that's goes. Great. I've, I've got a lot of, I guess that's what you were talking about earlier. I've got a lot of things that I like to make. Yeah. And if I'm going to be making them, I might as well be documenting it. Well, I think it sure. flies in the face. So everyone always, te- and this is the, I think it's the worst advice ever, but I, I feel like that's the advice that everybody gets when they really start doing YouTube in a professional capacity, they're told niche down, niche down, niche, niche down, down, and, niche down and, yeah. and I, I swear I I've seen so many channels that are just like, here I am having a good time doing something I love. And those are the channels I enjoy watching. I mean, yeah, I don't know what the ratio to do what I love versus, you know, success in YouTube is, but I do know what I enjoy watching. And when I see, you know, oh, I'm making a knife this week. Oh, now I'm making cookies. Oh, here comes a Minecraft sword. <laughs> you know, it's like, I love that. I love, that's one of the reasons I was always, I was always a huge fan of Bob from I Like to Make Stuff because you never know. You know, I don't know what he's making this week. And he goes out of his way to not tell people what's coming, to not give clues, to just kind of, you know, throw it out there and let people be surprised at what's coming this week. And I, um, I'm, I love this, this whole mode for your channel. I think it's perfect. Well, I hope it works out well. Yeah, <laughs> I, so I was going to, I was going to ask, I, cause I totally understand if you don't want to talk about projects that are coming up yet, but of the videos that you've put out on your own, which, which one are you the most proud of? Mm-mm. So far. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you, you mean out of all 12 of them or something? I, I <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. Have I know that. Content yeah, but like, what, what, do you, what do you feel that you've done that you look at and you're like, that's what I want to keep doing? That felt like me. That felt like the kind of content that I want to put out there. Uh, all of them where I wasn't editing the videos. Because <laughs> I don't feel like I do a good job of editing videos. Um, and so where I've I got my friend Keith or Mark, who was the primary cameraman with T-Core. He was let go the same time I had I was. And uh, when one of them is filming and one of them is editing, it, it's so much better. Just the videos are so much higher quality when I'm not in charge of that. So I like all of those ones. Of the ones yeah. that I did, like all myself, like I, I'm very happy with how things turned out. Like mm-hmm. the drink cart is just what I wanted it to be when I started planning it. Uh, the the floating shelves in my living room, like I was planning those since I moved into my house like three and a half years ago. Uh, but the videos of those things aren't particularly great. They're just like, ah, eh, it's fine, I guess. That was, you know, and it it's the difference between someone who's good at making videos and like, just because I know how to make stuff doesn't mean I know how to make videos about making stuff. 
do you oh, for sure it's two totally different skill sets do you worry do you worry at any point where it's like people are going to think i'm just repeating what i'm already known for or is it more of a i just i'm going to make what i want to make and i hope people come along with me or like what's the vibe you're going for uh more of the second one okay <laughs> if i end up repeating myself like i might repeat my own project like i one of my early ones that on my channel is I made a griddle to make smash burgers on my barbecue. Mm -hmm. And for a couple different reasons, I might just remake, like not just the video, like make a new one and make a new video. We're like, ah, well, I know it's been less than a year, but I'm already updating that. And so if you don't like burger griddles, this is a yeah. bad time to be you, but. <laughs> but we're making burger griddles. Well, you can make it better the second time too. Every time I make something, I look around and I'm like, well, let me fix exactly. that. That's one of the reasons. The other is that, I left it in my barbecue because where else would I store it? And I thought it'd be fine. But apparently water and snow managed to get in through the chimneys, which have covers on them Whoa, on my barbecue. Okay. But like it went in sideways enough to drip down and oh, no. the oil oh, no. treatment on it was not strong enough to last through months of water sitting on it. So it's become rusted and I could, I could clean it and re-oil it in a day, but I'm like, yeah, but, you know, since I already have to do work on it, I could make these improvements. I could tweak it a little bit. So I'm, that might just be what happens. I might just make a new one. That's kind of the maker mentality, though. Like, that's I that's how so. you tell someone yeah. that loves making versus someone who makes because they feel like they have to or whatever. The people who love making see that, see opportunity there. You know, it's like, oh, you know, somebody who doesn't really love it, just does it out of utilitarianism would probably be like, oh, no, my griddle. Oh, I don't want to do this again. I'm not doing this again. Whereas you look at it as an opportunity and go, oh, you know, I get more content. I'll get a better version of the same thing. It kind of works out, right? Exactly. So what is, hmm. I had I had like multiple thoughts as you were talking, and of course, as soon as I start talking, they all vanish right out of the right out of the ears. That's how it goes. Yeah, well, I have I have a question for you, if Vincent, if you don't remember what you were going to ask, go for it. Because based on what you said, Nate, is this is this the first time that you've ever been working fully for yourself? Ooh, yes, yes. So here's my question, because I think a common experience in the maker community is that work for yourself experience and all of the stress and excitement that comes with that. So you are deciding, well, first things first, did it ever occur to you that you would want to work for someone else when you left TCOR or did you know that you wanted to give it a go yourself? It did occur to me that I might want to, uh, just in a few different ways. Part of me was thinking maybe I should just get another job as I work on my videos. Um, or, you know, I wasn't sure if I would have enough ideas of things to make or if there would be any interest. And so uh, it was a little bit of like, well, I have enough of a financial cushion that I could take like a month or two. And so it, it was kind of leaning toward that. And, you know, as long as it doesn't just crash and burn, then I'll keep going. And so that's kind of what <laughs> I've been doing is I. OK. Yeah. Uh, it definitely occurred to me I might have to work for someone else. And, you know, that wouldn't have been the end of the world, depending on the job. And But so far, that hasn't happened. Yeah. So there wasn't like one solid moment where you were thinking, I'm doing this. I'm going out on my own here. <sighs> I 
And I guess the follow-up right. question, if you don't have a clear answer to that one, is like, and then what is that? What was that first week like? Because I remember the first week when I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And it's kind of an undescribable feeling. Um I don't know. My, or my, not. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> my my first week after I was let go, it was, you know, I, I was let go on the December 27th. And so it was gonna, it was like the week after Christmas and before New Year's. And I wasn't going to be working that week anyway. Mm-hmm. So I had this week where I was like, well, I guess I don't have to work this week, but I already <laughs> wasn't going to work this week. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take this week and not do anything, you know, as planned. But now I'm going to be not doing anything while I think about what to do when I have to start doing things again. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, first actual week of like getting into stuff. There was a lot of just thinking about what I wanted to do, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't really trying to decide right away. Like, ah, oh, do I have to go get a new job? Do I have to do something else in the middle? Uh, because as I said, like I had, I had enough money saved up that I could, I knew that I could take some time. And so it was just sort of like, well, what's a good way to start with this? Like, how can I, uh, how can I move toward publishing my own stuff? And then because I had been let go and I wanted to tell people about that and let them know, I did make that, you know, that video, that first video that I made was the why I'm no longer with T-Core and I'd have to check the date. I don't think it, I, I don't think I even gave myself the whole week. I think I made that before the week was out because I'd made a post about it on Instagram or something. And um, so I just, I made that video and you just dropped- the amount of response I got on that made me think, all right, well, I guess some people are interested in seeing whatever I make. So I'll keep going. You dropped it on December 31st. <laughs> there you go. Happy new year. There you go. Yeah. I guess that was, that was like a Friday or something. And well, so- uh, yeah. So I was watching this video. I'm watching this video and I'm watching you talk about this. And I'm just like, I was amazed at how open and honest you are. And I think I developed a whole different level of respect for you and the way you approach things when I was listening to you talk about it. Because, you know, it would it would be very easy in that situation, especially that close, you know, four days later, to just throw everyone under the bus and do scorched earth and, you know, walk away as it burns laughing like an evil villain. But you didn't do that. You were, I mean, I'm not trying to kiss your ass or anything, but you, it came off as classy and factual and it wasn't, I mean, that had to be, did at any point while you were filming that, did you go, I really shouldn't be doing this. I really shouldn't be doing this. I really like, did it cross your mind or was it always just like, I, you know what, this is the, these are the facts and I don't care what people think. No, I, I didn't really have any reservations about it. Um, and I, I do think like, I get what you mean and you're not the first person to say that, that there would have mm-hmm. been that temptation to scorched earth, burn bridges, throw people under the bus or whatever. But I talked about in the video how there had been times where I had disagreed with management and I had been difficult to get along with because I had been angry with them and the decisions that they had made. And along with those situations there, you know, I, I had been feeling really stressed about the job for a while, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the beginning of last year, uh, which is when they started. I, I was, I was very disappointed with how they handled some things with Callie which ultimately led to her getting, I mean, their decisions, they chose to let her go. And that was one of the main points. That was one of the things I was most upset about 
but not the only one. And so for basically that whole year, I was stressed and upset and angry. And so then when I was let go, like there was a little bit of the sort of like, you know, oh, why are there, this is what they choose to do. I'm disappointed in that. But for the most part, it was so much of like this wave of relief that it was just like, well, okay, now I don't have to deal with that anymore. That's no <laughs> longer my concern. It's no longer my problem. And so, so much of that was just like, all right, well, that's a load. Like by far the biggest point of stress in my life is now gone. So mm. why am I going to, you know, go out of the way to make myself more stressed or more angry about this? I'm just, I'm going to let this go on everyone time to move on. I get, to, I'm going to go do better things and good luck to them. I hope they get to do great things. Of when I, one of the things, one of the things that would people would think about with, you know, you as a maker, you as someone who has, you know, skills as a craftsperson, you know, going on to do, doing something like King of Random where you're doing just every, literally everything. Like what was the, what was your favorite thing that was outside your comfort zone where you are something maybe you would consider making your own video about or something you did that you didn't expect to like, but now you enjoy it and you're like, yeah, I definitely want to do more of that or I do that on my own or make that for myself. All right. Sorry. Re can you rephrase the question more condensed? Yeah. So, you know, you, you made a bunch of random stuff, probably a lot of stuff that you've never made before. Is there sure. anything that you made or did that you'd never done before that you're now like, I definitely would make that for my own channel to make my own content or something you didn't expect oh, to yeah. enjoy that you really enjoyed? Um, I mean, almost everything that I made and did on, on T-Core is not something that I would have thought to go out and look up. It's, it's not something that I would have specifically been like, I'm going to go figure out how to make one of these. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of the things I made are really cool. Like the, you know, the little solar scorcher, like one of the first things I did was a desktop solar scorcher. And it's just getting a Fresnel lens and putting it in a frame, but it's really cool. Along with the giant solar scorcher, the version that Grant made. And I then Oof. made an updated version later. Um, making boomerangs out of paint sticks. Like I wouldn't have thought to go seek that out, but I had to come up with a video. I do my research. Yeah. I come up with an idea and then I make boomer. Like that's a great project. Like, and it's a great project to do as an adult or as a kid or as an adult with kids. And so I could probably go through my own back catalog of 800 videos and be like, Oh, I want to try that again. I want to try that again. <laughs> I, you know, I can come up with a hundred different things that I would never have thought to do. But now I may want to do again. And the flip side of that, are there any that you did where you're like, Oh hell no, never again. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I don't want to eat squid ink anymore. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> does. No sane person should ever eat squid ink, by the way. It's gross. Yeah. Us Italians, we love it in our pasta for some reason. It's just not, I don't think it's good, but <laughs> I, you know. I always assumed it was just for the color. Yeah, it's I, also very yeah. salty. It's oh, it's like I, I compare it to tasting. Like, yeah, like when you when you're at the beach as like a kid and you fall. Died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's I, I mean, you're not supposed to eat it plain. No one's right. recommending that you eat it plain. It, it gets mixed into stuff and it adds just like the tiniest hint of flavor and a lot of dark coloring, and that's what people use it for. 
Yeah. One of your your you became famous toward the end of your run for just tasting things that shouldn't ought to be tasted, <laughs> which is always yeah. very funny. And you know, whoever was on camera with you would just go, Nate, no, Nate, no. <laughs> so that was that was born out of uh, when when I was kind of new. Grant was trying to give me instructions on like how to draw people in. How you know how do you make yeah. them part of the video when mm-hmm. they aren't there? And he just mm-hmm. recommended like describe everything. Talk about what it looks like, because even with the best camera shots, you're getting a better view of it and talk Mm -hmm. about how it feels. They can't put their hands on it. And they said he said, like, smell it if you can, then taste it and describe that to them because the audience can't do that. You have to do it for them so they can sort of live vicariously through you. And so I just started tasting anything that I thought, you know, wouldn't Wouldn't be toxic. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, all right, well. Got it. Got it. And so, yeah, I did get a bit of a reputation for that, which is interesting because I'm honestly a very picky eater. There's a lot of stuff I don't like to eat. Like what? Fascinating. Tomatoes. I hate tomatoes. They're disgusting. I I hear that one a lot and I actually get it. The texture's weird. No, no, it's not the texture. (laughs) What is it then? It is the flavor of tomatoes. Like raw tomato, like tomato sauce and ketchup. You're okay nope, with though? just just raw tomatoes. Just raw tomatoes. Okay, ketchup. Yeah, I don't like them either. Tomato so. sauce, spaghetti sauce, uh, even roasted tomatoes are better than plain. But like wow. raw tomatoes, like something you're putting on a sandwich, ruins it. That sandwich <laughs> is ruined. I've heard Take this from other off, people. Doesn't matter. Still ruined. Because <laughs> there's the residue, Nate. It's because there's the residue. Because I've known know. people that say this well, exact same thing. Fascinating. Yeah. Also, corn. I don't like corn. What? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's actually the weirder one. A lot of people don't like tomatoes. Just yeah, like I, corn. Yeah. And again, things made from corn, like popcorn, great. Mm-hmm. Corn chips, great. Corn tortillas, great. Corn bread, awesome. Corn on corn. the cob, no. Wow. <laughs> corn like in a can, absolutely not. Corn in a chili, ruined <laughs> chili. <laughs> Wow. I always find I always find picky eaters fascinating because they they always have lines. Like there's no such thing as somebody who I mean there's a few things some people maybe, but for the most part it's like I don't like this, but I'll eat it in that. You know, like I don't like I don't like onions. But if you put them in like chili, I'll, I'll eat it, you know. It's it's always <laughs> interesting to me where picky I'm kind of a picky eater too. I was much when 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 I got married, fun fact, when I got married I had never eaten a hot dog. What? Uh, yeah, this is, by the way, I got married in 2001. So I was 25 years old when I got married, okay? New York and New Jersey, never had a hot dog. Never, never had, had a hot, hot dog, dog in my life. Wouldn't eat hot dogs. I How didn't did you eat, do that? I just didn't. I wouldn't eat them, period. Um, I didn't eat any vegetables, no fruit, forget that. Didn't eat steak, sausage. I mean, the list of things that I didn't eat was longer than the list of things that I do. And of course I don't eat that way anymore, but um, it's one of the things that my wife straightened up with me real quick. Um, I, ha- she was I have patient. to level with, I have to level with you guys both. I don't get the picky eater thing. Well, no, I get it. I get that people do, but I'm so the opposite. So whenever people are so adamant about it, I'm always like, huh, <laughs> really? It's not even in a judgmental tone. I just don't understand it. I'm, yeah, I'm so envious. Like, yeah, I, and I wish <laughs> it was one of those people who just liked everything. Oh Me my too. gosh, that sounds so great. Maybe it, a better. It's not even that I like everything. I just don't care that much. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. You have yeah, a lot of passion for food. Not everyone tastes everything the same way. 
True. I am very sure that that's part of it for me. Like, there's no way. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. funny for me. For me, a lot of my picky eating, the stuff that I'm still picky about, um, and I actually share this weird trait with Pendulette. Pendulette usually doesn't hate flavors. He hates textures. And if the texture of something is like off or something where it isn't right what you would expect or it's a weird kind of texture, it, it's done. Like it's just for a long time, I think up until about two years ago, I wouldn't eat gummy bears at all because I didn't like the texture of them. Gummy and bears are my favorite food. I, it's I, so I, weird. I have both going for me. There are some food, tomatoes and corn. It's the flavor that I can't stand. Mm -hmm. uh there's something like you were talking about onions like mm -hmm. i love the flavor of onions some ways that they can be prepared i like them some ways i can't stand them i love them in a skillet obliterated until they're basically black and that's the way i like to eat them and everybody's like they get bitter I'm like yeah that's what i like i like that <laughs> so that's it's so i love it i love i could talk about food forever because it's just one of those things i always find interesting there's so many different so many different perspectives on the same thing like i mean one of the most divisive things in the world is cilantro i absolutely despise it and yet i live with someone who absolutely goes crazy for it like loves cilantro would eat so we went to we go to restaurants and she'll see cilantro cream pasta on the menu and it's like wait what you would eat that because i ain't eating that cilantro uh, is one that's a known genetic difference mm -hmm. yeah. i've tried and to explain so this to like, people and nobody yeah, understands <laughs> that that that's one like they can test your blood and and identify if you're going to like cilantro or, or at least they're going to be able to tell if it's repulsive to you some people right may not have the gene and they just think like oh it's fine i guess i don't know but so if it's cooked into something and it's not overly like, cause I shop at Trader Joe's and for anyone that shops at Trader Joe's, you know that the main ingredient in pretty much everything is cilantro. Trader Joe's <laughs> uses the same ingredient in everything. Pretty much. I figured that out where like, I think that they just have their supply chain figured out where they have like five foods and they just package it they as many mold. different ways as they can. They just mold them differently. Yeah. Oh, All man, of but the Christmas food at Trader Joe's is peppermint chocolate. All yes. Yes. As someone who has a, a Trader Joe's focused Instagram account, I can tell you for a fact, by the time Christmas was over, I was completely sick of peppermint. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So but, we haven't discovered ginger. It doesn't I, I, I feel don't like, think they have. There's That's very true. little ginger there. Like even, I'll give you a good example. It showed up in a weird place this Christmas. This is Trader Joe's is my jam, by the way. I could talk. Uh, I almost feel like I have to start another podcast to talk about Trader Joe's. Do you Joe's. have Trader Joe's where you are, Nate? Yes, but I, I don't, don't know if that's there. a silly question. I, I'm know, just assuming that this is it's a, relatively like, recent. Okay, okay. It, it, it used to be a California like, thing. I think it showed up here like eight years ago. Okay. Five, five, eight years. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, Trader conveniently located and inconveniently priced for me, though, so I don't go there. Oh, they see, where I am, it's the cheapest. Oh yeah, it's very oh, cheap. And so I mean, cheap. Well, I guess, maybe you know, uh, maybe just the location is stopping me from discovering that it's actually cheaper. I don't know. You know what's funny? <laughs> you know, no, you know what's funny? Some people have told me that, and but if you it, when you look at the average cost of living from the people. I had to think about this one day because I'm like, who, why do people think Trader Joe's is expensive? Because when I go to, I actually shop there because it's cheap. Right. And I'm thinking like, same. yeah, but you live in New York. Like, yeah, and same. well, 
now I live in Bergen County, New Jersey. So it's like, you know, these are, these are zip codes and areas where the price of everything is stupidly high, but Trader Joe's probably is the same price around the country. And then you look at what the neighborhood around it is. And it's like, Oh, okay. I can kind of understand it. Cause you know, a $4 bar of chocolate in New York is a $4 bar of chocolate in New York and nobody bats an eye, but maybe like a $4 bar of chocolate in the middle of the country is a whole different ball game, but it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. I, I love I love Trader Joe's. <laughs> I do too. But it is it is the cheapest option and the produce is not very good. Oh that, that there, you might I get some it. you might get some pushback on that, but Actually, okay. Let me, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Where where we where we are, it's not always the best. I don't know what how it is everywhere. <laughs> so Nate, what's your favorite produce? <laughs> I was gonna say cut to Nate eating weird produce on the King of Random. Just yeah. apples. That's my really? favorite produce. Oh, fascinating. So have you tried Cosmic Crisp apples yet? I think so. They're um, apparently they're amazing. I don't eat them, but the the whole the whole shtick with them is if you keep them in the fridge, they keep for like two or three months, as opposed to a couple of weeks. Like they last okay. forever, and they okay. have this. Any anyone who's telling you that apples go bad after a couple of weeks is absolutely lying. <laughs> you can Uh-oh. store apples in a refrigerator for months. You can. We have apple trees in our yard and we store really? them. Yeah. Like olden times, you would take you would take <laughs> apples, put it in a barrel with sawdust and be like, there's our apples for the year. I was like, they, yeah, as long as they're not the bruised, girl. they will last for a long time. And even hey. better, if you make cider with them, oh. that lasts like crazy. Oh, we cider lasts forever. Yeah. yeah. What kind of What kind of apples do you have in your yard, Brooke? Oh, we have no clue. They're trees that have been here for forever, and they're beautiful, and they taste delicious. But we don't know. Interesting. We have we have a lot of we have a lot of so New York, obviously the Big Apple, um, up where I used to live in Rockland County. There are multiple orchards. Like you can you can throw a rock and hit an orchard, and pretty much it's just there's waves of apples that grow. But then there's natively we have some nondescript varietals of apple the same way you do. I'm pretty sure that our proximity to each other has determined what apples are native to the area. And I have no idea what they are. So no idea. <laughs> <laughs> do you, you would you, I was always, would you consider doing something like you've done the cheap versus expensive and you're going to do that again, which like you said earlier, you're working on that, which we've interrupted your evening. And I feel great about that. I got to tell you, would you (laughs) consider doing something like the old way versus the new way? Is that something that you're like, cause I'm as a, as someone who makes stuff, I'm always fascinated when I watch something like the Woodwright shop where there's no power tools, it's all hand tools. It's all things done the old school way. Is that something do you like watching older artisans or do you just like watching the process of making stuff? I, I think I can appreciate when people are making stuff like the traditional way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, I hadn't thought about doing that, but that's certainly an interesting idea, especially like, I'm sure there's some projects that are like going to have people on both sides who are like, no, no, no. The, the traditional way is the best. <laughs> and that's why we do it. And, and other people are going to be like, you're crazy old man. We're doing it the new way electricity has been invented get with the times or something well, we we see that a lot with digital fab like you know cnc's yeah. aren't real woodworking lasers aren't uh-huh. real woodworking and it's like shut up. <laughs> it's, shut up it's just a different tool i work primarily on digital tools so i'm used to that 
constant back and forth. And it's so silly because half the time the CNC yeah. makes something take longer. <laughs> it just makes it duplicate. What's the word? You can do, you can make it a bunch of times once you get it right once. Thank you. Yeah. Duplicable. Whatever you just said was perfect. Reproducible. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. yeah, that's... I, that's an interesting one. So one of the things that got me into art in the first place was costume and prop making and prop making just in the last few years has changed wildly with the advent of 3d printing, mm -hmm. digital sculpting. And, you know, I've seen even just individual prop makers that went from like, here, I'm making everything. I've got foam, I've got Bondo and sandpaper. I'm using saws and then I'm just going to go at this until I've built my thing. And, you know, now they're, now they draw stuff up on a computer. They, they render it and then they 3d print it and then they clean it up from there. And I, you know, I've seen people talking to them about like, Oh, this isn't nearly as fun as when you used to do stuff with foam and Bondo and their feelings were hurt a little bit, I think, but I, I mean, it's, you know, your, your goal is to make your final product. Like it didn't right. exist before. Now it does exist. I made it, you know, is it less real because I made it on a computer and printed it than if I had sculpted it using a saw and Bondo and sandpaper and for every kind of craft that's ever existed at some point technology has been invented that made it easier <laughs> and yeah. there's probably been at every level like there was probably og and thog carving rocks and when one of them <laughs> like yeah. one of them yeah. was like you're using iron you cheater you like cheater. that's not the right way to do this it's very true and in in the, in the process i think just looks and feels so different because it's not as tactile and so mm. I don't know if, if it's a particularly difficult jump for people, like a particularly difficult pill to swallow, even if you're looking at like a handsaw versus a jigsaw. Well, let's, I don't know. I think it's the difference between, you know, Nate, what you said really hit because it's, you know, it's about making the best end product. And that's how I feel about it, too. Like if the best end product is going to come off the laser, then I'm using the laser to do it. Whereas a lot of people are like, it's the journey there that matters. I don't give a damn about the journey there. I really don't. I want the best product, the best, you know, I want to show off my best work when I'm done. And if that means for this project, look, I make a lot of stuff over and over again. I made a set of coasters recently and I had all the red oak I wanted to make the coasters and I'm looking at them and I'm going, I could spend a little while you know, arranging this in a way that it fits on the CNC, screwing it down, having the CNC cut it. And it would take me three hours to like figure it all out and line it all up and then cut. And then hopefully it works. Right. Whereas right. if I just carefully cut it and pay attention to what I'm doing, I could have it in like 10 minutes yeah. on the table saw. And it just, I don't think, pe I mean, people think the CNC, Brooke, you made a great point. People think the CNC or the laser, it makes everything easier. And sometimes the setup for that actually takes longer than it would to just make the project. So I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I know it's not easy. I, I just, I really do. I'm much more obsessed over the end product than I do about, you know, what leads up to the product. I don't care about the process. I like watching YouTube videos to see their process, but I'm not going laser <laughs> loser. <laughs> yeah. But is, is there any, 
I noticed I noticed you do you don't you use a lot of power tools, Nate, but I don't see like 3D printers, CNC's, lasers. I was just about to that... ask, what is your shop setup, Nate? Yeah. Uh, I have I have yet to actually learn how to do very much 3D modeling. I would love to. I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but like 3D modeling and 3D printing so far isn't in my skill set. Mm-hmm. Definitely on the to-do list. Um I, I don't have a CNC, although my dad does. So if I want to start learning how to use one, I can use his. Uh, I actually have done a fair bit with lasers. I've, I've had a couple jobs in the past that were just running laser machines. And so oh, I cool. at least was decent yeah. with those. It's probably a, a bit of a lost skill at this point, but I'm sure I could pick it back up. But I don't have any of those. Certainly wouldn't mind if I had the space for it. Mm-hmm. Um Right now, my workshop is mostly dedicated to stuff I need for knife making. So there are some general purpose tools, like I've got a nice bandsaw, and like that's not just for knives, obviously. Um, but everything that's in my workshop can be used for knife making, whether or not you have to use it for knife making. Gotcha. So it has yeah. to have, for now at least, it has to have some kind of knife making function to make its way in there <laughs> for you to for actually part, have I've, it. I've got some tools that don't fit in there. They're just up in my garage. You know, like I've got a chop saw that doesn't really come into play with knife making, but, uh, I have one cause they're just so useful to have. Um, and I do plan to turn my garage into like workshop number two. That would be all of the non knife making stuff. Cool. So you're, as my friend Austin calls it, your, um, tree carcass wood sh- uh, workshop. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, I, I love, I, I, I feel like what enabled me to be a maker because I started, you know, the first thing I had where I started considering myself someone who made stuff was a 3D printer. And it was one of those things where as soon as that unlocked everything for me, I just wanted to do more and do more and do more. Now I have a 3D printer, laser, CNC, full wood shop, which God knows I'm moving that some bitch to the new shop and it ain't fun moving a wood shop. My advice, put it where you want it and then leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's kind it's kind of crazy how much, how enabling i think that's probably why so many like artisans and craftsmen hate those tools because in a weird kind of way they enable people who aren't as talented as they are to do work that you know if you're not a professional looking at it you go oh this guy's just as good and they hate that (laughs) but i don't know maybe that's just my perception I think it's interesting how many, I will say, I think it's interesting, Nate, that you said that you went to art school. That surprised me because I'm always routinely shocked at how many people um, went to art school that kind of find themselves in this maker niche on the internet. And it, it's, it becomes kind of an equalizer too in the same in the same way where when you're coming from a more tactile background, 3D modeling, like you were talking about, Nate, it's a lot to learn. It's not fun to learn either necessarily. It can be really frustrating, you know, and I don't know. I think, but I think there's this equalizer of everyone, like of making stuff at the end of the day and, and how you get there doesn't really matter. The tools, the tools are where it, where it, where it's a problem, and I don't mean the tools like the three D printers. I mean the tools like the tools to make the digital stuff. None of them are great. They're they're learnable, right? Like I use Fusion three hundred and sixty, and it's it's learnable. I use Adobe Illustrator. You use Adobe Illustrator a lot, also. It's I do. It's learnable. It's not a great program, but it's powerful. And once you learn it, you feel like you have a superpower because you can pretty much do everything. And I think that the barrier. People, a lot of people buy these digital fab tools 
and they get them in their shops and it's like, Ooh, how do I get the stuff into this to actually make the things now? It's like, well, guess what? Now you got to learn how to design the stuff that that thing's going to do. It's not push button easy. Sorry. I don't know who told you that. There's a lot to be said for just band sawing out the shape of a knife and then grinding it away and making it a, making it a blade. Yeah. That's it really so is. If, if you talk to knife makers, you talk to knife makers, there's this whole like stock removal is not real knife making. I've heard yeah. that more times than I care to count from tr- mostly from internet trolls, of course. But I mean, Nate, do you have, as a knife maker, do you have an opinion one way or the other? Um, well, as someone who's only ever done stock removal so far, <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually do think it's still like, even with that, like, I think it's a valid criticism because okay. they, they are taking a step farther back like they're taking it you know like you know you you're you start with no matter how fancy of a blade you're doing if you're just doing stock removal like i do Mm -hmm. you're starting with your blade you know already 50 percent done it's flat and it's rectangular like it's it's toward the shape you want it to be Mm -hmm. um and forging is a real skill and there are definitely some things there are a lot of cool knife making things that you can only do with a forging process, mm-hmm. uh, much as I am actively working to find ways to do them, like ways to cheat or and get around <laughs> that, um, that those methods, uh, and you know, some success and some failure, but there mm-hmm. are some things that you cannot do without doing the forging itself. And so while I wouldn't say that it isn't knife making, I would say they have a right to say that what they are doing is is sort of more involved in the process of making a knife than the stock removal. I, okay. Now, I think that's a fair answer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that I wow. <laughs> okay. I I always I always found it interesting because I think that I almost think that stock removal is just I don't know just yeah, it's not the maybe as artisanal as someone sitting there moving metal with a hammer on an anvil. But I always thought it was kind of cool that people were able, because most of the stock removal knives I've seen are made from other things. You know, some people make it out of just regular bar steel. I've seen you do it also, but like I've seen a lot of people make some really, really cool knives out of like old, old hand saws that were just kind of sitting around and, you know, leaf springs, you know, some people don't want to, don't want to do all the forging work. You know, they just start Mm -hmm. whacking on stuff and cutting stuff away. And it's just kind of cool, actually. It's, but yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. That is, I guess it is a valid criticism because they're doing it quote the right way. And huh? Yeah. Well, now, a as I said, at the very least, sorry, you go Nate. Right. I well, I do think that sometimes it it gets taken too far. For example, if you ever see someone described or titled as being a master smith in mm-hmm. knife making, the whole master smith program, I guess you could call it, like everything about it, is basically to say in your face to people doing stock removal. It was invented. (laughs) It was created by someone who felt that stock removal wasn't real knife making. And he wanted to sort of keep pure the traditions of blacksmithing. And Mm -hmm. so the only way to, to get this designation of master Smith is to run through a, like a classic apprenticeship program. And all of the tests involve forging knives. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you just stock removal, make a knife, you cannot ever be called a master Smith in knife making. 
And wow. so like it is it is massively just out there to be a whole big gatekeeping thing. Um, yeah. And and I'm sure that people who have gone through the program will describe its virtues, of which there probably are many. But yeah. it was created to just be like, nah, always better. Well, is it, aren't there only like 140-something Master Smiths in the world or some ridiculously low number? Like, like it's like, I think it's 142 or 144, some stupidly low number of Master Smiths in the entire world. I have and it's not like, looked into that. I'm not sure. I, it's, well, yeah, it surprise it's, me? Because Jay Nielsen from <laughs> Forge and Fire happens to be one. I remember seeing that yep. number. I could be completely talking out my butt, but I'm pretty sure that that's the number. And in which case, like... Yeah, no one is what you are. <laughs> it's yeah. like that's I guess that is kind of like a weird kind of gatekeeping move to just say, "Well, I'm a master smith and your yeah. work sucks." And it's like, "And you can't criticize it. I'm beyond reproach. I have paper that says I'm better than you." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to show doing I, I don't I think that it's important to I mean, I'm in a makerspace all the time. So I always come from the perspective that making bad stuff is better than making no stuff though and you know, it does start to beg the question, especially with the internet, where it's like, well, is this going to encourage people to give it a try or not? And uh, as of as of 2020, there were 119 of them in the country in the United States. That doesn't seem like very many. That's no. not that many, and I'm sure. No. And they're and they're. It's a really really niche skill. Mm-hmm. To be fair, you have to have access to the tools and the and the tools are yeah. not cheap. No, <laughs> and the ability I mean, to learn it. Even anvils, like anvils, are just. Uh, insane like try to buy an anvil now you You know know, that's that's actually interesting the the number you're talking about i wonder if there are any other groups of 120 people in america that i know of as many of like i I think i could come up with five or six master smiths that i know of uh and and out of a group of 120 in in the whole country that's you know, really, uh, you know, 4% is pretty good. Yeah, it's true. pretty good at marketing themselves, hey? <laughs> and, 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 and of course, I'm, they don't... I'm in the realm, and so I kind of seek them out, and I, like, you know, I'm looking for their videos and what they've done, and so, I've, yeah, it's not exactly a fair comparison, but... You mentioned Sage Blades earlier. Who else would you consider your um, your inspirations? Like, is there anybody that you just go, oh, I re- one day, one day, I want to, that's what I want to make one day? Oh. Um, let's see. There's, uh, there's always the problem of like some of the, you know, you were talking about Jane, Jane Nielsen. Jane Nielsen mm-hmm. is great. Um, I've never found like a, maybe haven't looked hard enough. I haven't found a really great gallery of his mm-hmm. old works to look at. Um, he might have some on a website that I've seen, but I, I don't remember of being like, oh, wow, these are, this is a great collection of knives that I can now see you've made. Mm. Um, uh, there's a, another knife maker. His name is Jay Fisher. He is well-known and been in the craft for a long time. He does some work that I think very few other people does. One of the things he's best known for is he will do uh, stone and even semi-precious gemstone handles, Ooh. like the scales rather than using wood. He's doing metal and stone and he's very good at it. And his, his work is incredibly clean. I don't even, I I really like some of his knives. I really dislike some of his other knives. So that's kind of an interesting one. <laughs> um, 
I, I feel like I just need to go through my own Instagram and be like, who am I following? What are, what are, who are some it, of these knife makers? Isn't it funny? Um, Cause I, we, we ask that question a lot, you know, like who inspires you? Who, and people are like, Oh, so many people. And then it's like, and honestly, I can't recall any of them. And it's so funny because it's always the same thing. Because, you know, if you're inspired by like one or two people, it's very easy. You just write them down and you're good. But sometimes right. it's hard to just think of like, you know, when it's a whole bunch of people, it's hard to come up with names. I'll just I'll throw one out just because I uh, I made a video where I intentionally copied a knife from this guy, similar to how I did with the Sage Blades guy. Um, they're on Instagram. They're KWB Knives. They're out of the UK. That's about all I know about them. And I like a lot of what they do a lot. Um, I love the the decorative metal work that they add into their blades. Oh, yeah. Really I'm cool. on their page right now. It's really unique. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And this is some of the stuff that is mostly only possible through forging. But I oh, am working wow. to find ways to cheat and make it possible with stock removal instead <laughs> you came very close that that stainless steel carving knife you made right before the video you made with callie that mm -hmm. thing was freaking gorgeous like i what? just i was loving that one that, uh, i copied kwb knives i noticed because i noticed there's a blade here with the same kind of patterning on yeah. it a couple actually mm -hmm. very cool well you did a good job copying it because i recognized it Thank so you. there you go <laughs> Um, we're about, we're about an hour into the conversation. So why don't we, um, shift gears a little and we'll do things of the week. And as is typically the case when we have a guest, we always let the guest go first. So Nate, what would be your thing of the week this week? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make my thing of the week hail back to earlier in our conversation. We were talking about apples. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say my thing of the week is a breed, a type of apple. Okay. <laughs> and it is. It is the sweet tango apple. Sweet um, tango. Which I've never heard of that one. It's not terribly common. Okay. Um, a lot of the types of apples that you're going to hear of are actually a brand name. For example, Pink Lady Apples mm -hmm. is that's a brand name of a type of apple. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, there's Crips Pink Apples, which is either a different brand or that's just the actual type of apple. But like. So apples get trademarked um, and sweet tango is one um, like most apples that we eat in the Western world nowadays. It was uh, cultivated by the University of Minnesota. They they have just had an apple breeding program for so long that all the good apples come out of there. And the sweet tango sweet tango is a hybrid of two like best like in a contest of like two apples that won best tasting apple were the Honeycrisp and the Zestar and they they crossbred them and got the sweet tango apple no um way. I've only ever seen it for sale in the fall and it's a little bit on the pricey side kind of like a Honeycrisp but it's extremely good cool huh. if I ever see one I will have to try it yeah, you got to check check stickers in the grocery store in the fall. That's the only way okay. I know to find them. Well, I'm actually I'm actually it's really ironic, Nate, that you're so passionate about apples. Mm. Because this this week on my Instagram story, I'd mentioned apple juice and and made some joke about like how adults don't actually like apple juice. But now I'm inclined to ask you, do you like apple juice? Yes. 
you're fascinating because I, I said it off the cuff and, and I instantly got a bunch of people in my DM saying, no, no, I like apple juice. Hmm. Anyway. So apparently Nate's real name and the Death Note fans are going to love this must be Ryuk. And only Death Note fans <laughs> will get that joke. <laughs> wait, Nate, wait, hold on. You laughed at, do you actually know? Do you actually I, know? I've, Death I've Note? watched Death Note, yeah. Oh, Death Note is such a great anime. It's one of the greatest animes ever. Love it. <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. That you, so wait, hold on. I, now I got to ask. I, I won't go into the whole. Th- are you an anime fan too? I haven't watched too many. Just oh. a few of what are probably the most popular ones. I've watched Death Note. I've seen both versions of Full Metal Alchemist. Um, I've watched a couple seasons of My Hero Academia, but I'm not up to time. Like I'm, I haven't watched all of it. Um, One Punch Man. Cool. Wow. You uh, watch. You, you watched. And as all a the kid, ones- I watched. A lot of Dragon Ball Z, but not all of it and not in order. Just, oh, we're at a friend's house. It's on. Let's watch. A few months ago, I decided I was going to start watching all the anime that I've missed over the years. And I started with Cowboy Bebop. And then I moved on to Death Note. And then I moved on to My Hero Academia. So, um, yeah, that's... um, that was Yeah, wow. When I say Ryuk and you knew what I was talking about, it really just, whoa, that's cool. Um. Brooke, your thing of the week. My thing of the week is, I mean, specifically, I've been really into National Geographic magazines and just, but I guess just tangible old school magazines in general, I've been getting so much inspiration from. And I don't know if it's because, um, I mean, Instagram, I used to go to all the time for pictures and photos and things like that. And it's changed Mm -hmm. so much, but for some reason... I just picked up magazines and, and I've been super into just scrolling through the page, uh, flipping through the pages and the photos. Oh man. Something so calming about that format that mm-hmm. feels so foreign from everything that's out there right now. So yeah, that is my am, thing of the week. I, I always, as a kid, I used to, we used to go to every year we would go to the fall festival at Mill Neck Manor in Long Island. Anyone in Long Island knows any, anyone knows, Long Island and lives in the area, they know about Milneck Manor. Milneck Manor is an incredible place and they have this fall festival every year. And at the fall festival, they always had uh, like a flea market type thing. And there was one guy who was there every single year with every Nat Geo that could possibly (laughs) film, could possibly have. And it was just like, it was so fun. Like Every time I go there, you know, you would find someone like, oh, let's get the one from your birthday. Oh, let's get the one from my birthday, you know, and you would just kind of flash back through pictures. They're just such great magazines. Nat Geo is a good one. Nat Geo is a good one. It's a good I don't one. Know. It feels nostalgic or something. It and it, It's not it even nostalgic for my own life. <laughs> I just see it and I'm like, oh, I want to open that. Because when you were a kid, it made you feel important when you opened oh, it. it. So smart. Exactly. So smart. <laughs> that was some smart reading. Geo. That was some smart reading. <laughs> awesome. I'll. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody knows where to find Nat Geo, but that's you know. <laughs> we should, have we that should give him a little shout out. Really help him out. Yeah, really. Just has some up and comer publication that no one's ever heard have of. Have you guys heard about this Nat Geo thing? <laughs> no. A, no, <laughs> no one knows what Nat Geo stands for. It's been lost <laughs> to time, but it seems pretty cool. Seems pretty cool. Check him out on the IG. Give him a like. <laughs> They really that deserve this, it. Then this photo of this chick with blue eyes is this, you know, you've never seen it, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, it's good work. So as everyone that listens to this show may know, this past weekend I moved. And one of the things that you have a problem with when you move is finding an easy way 
to transport like bins. Bins are a, bins are great, but moving one bin sucks, and you want to move like two or three at a time. And I bought something a long time ago that I have been using like crazy in the last couple of weeks. It's by a company called I think the company is actually called MagnaCart, but this little guy folds up so small that it fits in under the flap in the cargo hatch of my SUV. And it just full it fits underneath. That's how small it folds up. It holds 150 pounds. It's amazing. It's got really nice wheels. It's not rickety. And if you add a couple of bungee cords to it, everything stays on it like it's glued there. It's a wonderful little cart. If you travel, if you carry stuff, like if you move like DJ equipment, I mean, I don't know how much DJ Tools equipment. around a, a workshop. Yeah, like I would literally, I've been doing that like for bringing stuff to my driveway through my garage out of my workshop it's been a it's been a godsend for moving things quickly plus i can leave it in my vehicle and if i have to bring a box home from work or whatever it's not a big deal or if deliver you know moving a computer from one location at my company to another it's absolutely fantastic so i would highly recommend it it's about 60 bucks i'll have the link to it on amazon in the show notes um Want to give a quick thanks to all the people that make this show possible financially, of course. And those people would be Leanne and Nick from Hemlock and Hyde, Dave from Atomic Airship Works, Emily Joyce, Ed from Ed's Clocks and More, Rory from RLL Woodworks and DIY, Chris from Full Steam Designs, Jeff Stein, aka a weird guy, Debbie Haddock, Jerry Hyduke, Joey from JH Custom Woodcraft, Dean Duplantis, Jacob Banguiano of Maker Cuisine. Congratulations on the rebrand. Robert J. Keller, Scott from Dad It Yourself DIY, the one and only Grant Alexander, Tony Langer from Langer Works, Jacob from Other Dog Designs, Jake from Make with Jake, Big Al Schultz from New York Woodworks, Justin Ofler of Bear Maked, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, Adam Mackey from Maker Mackey and the Clamp Podcast, Kim and Garrett, Andrew Richard from Andrew Richard Makes, Kellen Hazlip of Kellen Makes, David from Southern Style DIY, who's now following me on Instagram after I harassed him for three weeks. So thank you uh, for joining the party, David. Jeff, the weekend DIYer, Sean Woolworth from the Proper Tools Podcast, Chris Raley of Route 9 Signs, Henry Davis of HT1 Metalworks, and Austin Saunders, the high caliber craftsman. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can do so at buy me a coffee, which we always have a link to in the show notes. If you can't do support the show financially, that's fine too. You can leave a review. You can share the show, turn someone else onto it. Or even if you have someone that you think might make a good guest, then uh, send it over to us. We're always listening. We're at podcast at because we make.com. Nate, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, so my friend. Great to be here. I Thanks mean, so much for coming by. I feel like it's a genuine celebrity hath entered the room and it's like, uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited. So I'm, I'm also excited to see what you do next and, you know, seeing the amount of growth you've had in a very short time on your channel, I'm, I'm expecting huge things from you. And I think you're going to, I think you're going to crush it. I think you're, you're just seeing the way people react to you and how much people, how beloved a host you are for TKOR and, it's just great. It's it's great. great. We're I, super excited to see that it's been a successful shift. Yes, yeah. yes. It's hard to make that transition, and you're doing it like a like a boss. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate your support. Always there for you, my friend. And um, that's going to do it for this week, Brooke. Thank you. Congratulations on your first episode as co-host. That was my first episode. I hope I I hope I did okay. You did okay. You did <laughs> absolutely you. wonderful. You did absolutely wonderfully. And um, thank you to everyone that sent supportive notes after last week's episode. I know, and I got a lot of messages of like, damn it, why'd you make me cry? I'm sorry if um, we made you cry. 
Um, but like, like I said, the show's not going anywhere. And um, today is just the beginning of a whole new era for Because We Make, which means we're going to have to do this again next week. So tune in and we'll <laughs> see you then. Bye.